The Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Halloween, and this is a special Woo! Halloween double feature episode of Verging on Greatness with me, Mike, and my yes. friend Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Mike. We are doing a, a two-parter tonight, as we did uh, as we did last Halloween. We're going to do two movies. Two movies. We're going to uh, pick them apart, have a look, have a look under the hood, see what makes them tick, uh, and um, see what we would do differently what we do what we do, we'll do to fix them and, and make them work better and um in the end we'll decide if they are verging in greatness or wallowing in mediocrity in mediocrity so yeah uh, we've got a double we've got a double um double header so we'll crack straight into it we've got two movies we're going to do uh 1990s arachnophobia and 2003's right. Dreamcatcher. uh bummer pretty um <laughs> I'm gonna say right off the bat, pretty pretty uh, broad ends of the spectrum of quality. Uh, oh, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Kind of horror, horror. I guess horror. These, horror these movies, horror yeah, thriller, horror cinema, horror thriller. Yeah, they're I, not well, splatter horror. I guess, I guess no, they're, they're certainly not. Well, they're horror. Dreamcatchers, Dreamcatchers well, is pretty splattery. There's, well, I mean, I think both of them have horror elements. Um, I. I I think you'd describe arachnophobia as a thriller, right? Or I think one of the reviewers at the time dubbed it a, a, a thriller omedy, a thrillomedy, because it's got comedy elements, but it's also got scary elements, which. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw it described as a, as a horror comedy or a thriller comedy. A horror comedy. I don't know if, thriller the, comedy, I don't know if the yeah. comedy elements really add up to a, a genre credit <laughs> in comedy. <laughs> Um, I think Leonard Maltin described it as a as a um, a thrillomedy. So if Leonard Maltin said it was a genre, I'm happy to go with Leonard Maltin's um, uh, opinion on that one. But I disagree. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, he's dead. He's not going to argue with you now. But uh, <laughs> Leonard Maltin, what are you good for? Um, but yeah, I think um, I think there's definite comedy elements to um, arachnophobia that 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 help it stand out today. I mean, some of the acting is, is pretty cheeseball. Um, the, the guy, the guy, the, the photographer at the very beginning who, who dies violently in his bed. I mean, some of the, some of the faces he were, he was pulling were, <laughs> they came straight from clown school. So. <laughs> yeah. Like doing that acting exercise, like someone throws at you, it throws a, like a, an adjective and you've just got to look like that. Like, yeah. Lemon face. <laughs> <laughs> Dying. <laughs> Dying. <laughs> um, no, it was. It was. Um, yeah. So obviously, arachnophobia. Uh, Nineteen ninety. Um, it was the directing debut for Frank Marshall, probably better known as a producer of um, all the favorite movies of your childhood. Um, he basically produced everything Steven Spielberg did in his early years. Um, Steven Spielberg is uh, an executive producer on this film, along with um, Kathleen Kennedy, who now holds the keys to the Star Wars universe at Disney. Um, and it features Jeff Daniels in a... Um, I, I think Jeff Daniels is one of the most underrated actors 
working in Hollywood today. Um, he certainly got leading man chops, but I think he failed to find that one film um, that would elevate him from just being Jeff Daniels' character actor and sometimes uh, leading mm. man to Jeff Daniels' megastar um, because he, this film isn't it for him, unfortunately, but it was pretty close. Mm. So um, it's also got Discount Helen Hunt um, in it. I, I, looked up, I looked up her name because I was just like, yeah. oh, Harley Jane um, Kozak um, yeah, the first, as his first wife. The first shot she's in, I was... I had, to do, I had to double take. I was, like, I was sure I didn't see Helen Hunt's name on the credits. Yeah, discount Helen Hunt. Yeah, yeah. So um, very similar in look and and uh, texture and feel to Helen Hunt. Um, and then obviously John Goodman and uh, Julian Sands of Warlock fame um, round out this cast of um, uh, not to mention freaking spiders galore. So yeah, yeah. Arachnophobia, nineteen ninety. It's a good film. Yeah. Um, um, what's the, what would you say is the uh, what are the what are the similar similar ones in the genre for this for this era? Yeah, what, so what came it's, before it's, this and what followed? Uh, well, obviously the film that probably most informs this is Jaws, um, but there's this is just a, a one in a long string a string of like creature features. So mm. you had movies like Jaws, um, Alligator or Gator, um, Gosh, Slugs. After this, you have Anaconda. Um, all of these sort of, um, you know, uh, stuff that would later go on to be like B sci-fi or sci- the sci-fi channel tropes, like, um, ultimately leading up to like Sharknado yeah. almost where, where it sees these creatures and, or natural creatures and, um, lion in the darkness, like these films where animals are the, the antagonist yeah, in, in the film and nature's run amok nature run amok so um you know we've talked previously about blue thunder which was a, another trope in the 80s which was uh, technology run amok yeah. so the films where technology has gone out of control so this is definitely just another one in a long line of films where the animal is um it's nature versus man man versus nature so um there's a crossover from those two technology and nature run amok which is jurassic park which didn't Correct. come out too long after this and and has, no it did not has some similarities as, it does as well um i think frank marshall and kathleen kennedy produced that so um, right. and then you have steven spielberg direct obviously yeah from a script by michael Crichton. so um but yeah so that's a, that's a fun film to talk about as well because like uh, if you've seen jurassic park um and you you're aware of the existence of westworld and if you've seen westworld which was written and directed by the, the original movie written and directed by michael Crichton you've seen jurassic park they are the same film mm. just replaced dinosaurs with cowboy robots mm. killer cowboy robots so um but yeah Cause this, you're absolutely because right. that was jurassic park was the first movie i thought of when for the intro sequence of this which is in it's set in venezuela so yeah that's that all jurassic park also starts it's a fish out of water intro yep. with this lawyer and he's following around uh, a scientist who is much more experienced with the terrain he knows where he's at he knows what he's doing it's it's a hot tropical environment and you as the audience are being drawn in to what is what is going on you get a sense that these uh, drop a lord of the rings joke these dwarves are delving too deep um <laughs> that yeah you know, they're, they're going they're going too far that man is man is pushing the boundaries of nature absolutely and julian sands um uh, he's he's the the, the entomologist uh, in Venezuela. So the, the film opens with 
um, a photographer, um, the most fish out of water photographer ever, turning up in Venezuela to take some photos on a um, an expedition into the jungle, where Julian Sands is is the ultimate sort of um, uh, explorer. He's going places that the that the the Venezuelan natives won't go, yeah. and he's like, we're we're going, and and the guide won't go with us past this point, um, and they're looking for for. Uh, for creatures that that haven't seen the light of day in um, you know a thousand years or ten thousand years, so so a completely new um, ecosystem, and uh, the photographer um, is definitely not the National Geographic photographer because uh, he is um, he is well and truly out of his depth. He normally takes photos of football, apparently, so um, they've sent him down to Venezuela to take photos of this of this expedition into the jungle. Did, and, were uh, were they, there no nature photographers uh, uh, available <laughs> in America? What, what, was the, what was the National Geographic photographer doing that weekend? Was he busy? <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a wedding to go to? Like, they send this guy. I felt really bad for, for the for the photographer. I do a little bit of photography. And uh, he turns up. So he turns up late. And so in the context of the film, he turns up late because he's been sick. He's got a fever. Um, and... He, he gets there, and without any time to waste, he's being told, um, grab your gear, we're going to the to the site. And they jump in a helicopter to get there. Um, and when he also, gets to the other end... Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park. When he gets to the other end, they're like, well, you know, you're going to need flash photography. It's like, well, I'm sure I'm glad he brought all of that kit. And they... <laughs> he, they because it's a long way to go back to base camp to get your fucking flash yeah, gun. He's obviously so, he's not um, high on the picking order, the photographer. <laughs> no. But. I mean, obviously he's there for the audience to kind of, you know, have the whole situation explained to him so we get it explained to us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then he, he promptly dies from a massive, massive spider bite. Um, I do, and is promptly... I do like the way they do, they, they do his death and several of the subsequent deaths where they've all got some other thing going on that that prevents, Explains prevents the dead. anybody from realizing from questioning why they died for no reason so he has this fever and so yep. nobody and nobody he complains suspects, about the fever yeah, nobody suspects yep. that he's died from spider bite and they that's repeated yep. with the next two or three victims in kind of subtle ways that's right yeah subtle, actually sometimes, this, this subtle, fl- sometimes not so subtle sometimes not so subtle um yeah you're right but uh, again there's there's a couple of examples where this film does a good setup and then pays off on the setup yeah so there's a couple of examples where it goes like the whole business later with him working in the cellar and he shoots he manages he works out that the floor is rotting and there's termites and or there's potential termites in the um in the building and then so later when he falls and goes through the floor um that's all set up yeah um so like there's a couple of examples of this movie doing clever setup and then good delivery yeah um so yeah i think i think this is just a a, a solid a solid little creature feature at the, um, at, at the same from, time it does from 1990 it does take a it takes a long time to build up and maybe that's my modern sensibility getting impatient but i did feel like for a lot of the first hour or so it felt like not a lot was going on it does it's, yeah so that's 20 whole 20 whole minutes uh, that that venezuela sequence so it's you know it's a it's a huge chunk of the movie where, yeah, it, where it's Jurassic Park 20, is done it's, and dusted in a tidy like three minutes that digging sequence. I think I think that's because like by the time you've got Jurassic Park coming around, Spielberg and crew have all worked out that you don't need that. The, the sooner you get to the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, the better it is. Yeah. Like you, 
everyone knows what the film's about. It's 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 like doing a a, a sequel to Superman in the early '80s, where you spend another forty minutes getting to Superman. Yeah, like you know Superman's in the film. Cut to Superman. Cut to the chase, <laughs> just as quickly as you can. Don't fucking tease Superman. Um, and I think that's the same with certainly with Jurassic Park. You know, big fuck off dinosaurs are in the film. Um, and you know that they've done an amazing work on the special effects. So don't fucking be coy. Get to the fucking dinosaur. Um, but I, I think you're right with this. They um, they really take their time with that setup. And it's a good 20 minutes before the protagonist of the film turns up. Before yeah. you see Jeff Daniels for the first time. And then you've got Jeff Daniels' quaint country town um, doctor um, TV show to get through for a little bit. Yeah, so that, and then, that's set up really quickly. Like they're introduced really efficiently. They're within the first yep. few minutes of meeting them, you know they've, they've moved here from a from the big city. They've from moved the big to city. get away from the the pace to get a slow a slower pace of life. He's a doctor. He's come here to take over the the local medical practice. Um, she's quit her her high flying her high flying corporate, corporate job. She's going to look after where the, she needs a phone and a fax machine yeah, to do it. She's going to look after like, the kids. It's the nineties. So they, they set that up really well, but then th- they. Sp- takes a long time they spend a long time just meeting other people in the town meeting these kind of red shirts um yeah i was gonna say meeting people that we can promptly kill meeting the and 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 <laughs> the uh, kind victims. of yeah the uh, and uh yeah there's the old the old doctor who decides he's not going to retire and throws their plans yep. all which is kind of the it's, it's almost the turning point in a way because it's like oh okay now everything's changed now uh even though you've only you've only been around these characters for about five minutes uh, in, in another in a, in a normal sequence that would be the inciting incident but you've you've already watched so much of this movie already it feels it feels like that's the shift that becomes the, the feels like the first turning point um the yeah and then you meet the sheriff um who's uh uh, Dick, you meet um, <laughs> Sheriff Parsons. He's great. Stuart Stuart Pankin um, as the bully, and and the little old lady comes along and uh, promptly tells him off and tears up his parking ticket, going to show you how much they pay attention to law yeah. enforcement in this country. Miss, this Miss, town. Yeah, Miss Hollings. <laughs> she's kind of the the faded Southern belle. Um, oh, she's great. Is it, is it Southern? I guess it's no. What? No, it's it's Southern California. It? Like they've they've moved from um, they've moved from uh, San Francisco to somewhere in I, well, maybe it's Northern Cam- California. I don't. Camerdi, Camaray, Camaray, something like that. Something like that. Like Casame, something. It was Casame. Like it was a real town. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, you meet the you meet the neighbors. The kids make friends. Cambria. Um, Cam- Cambria. Uh, the kid, yep. Kids make friends. Uh, she throws a party. They meet a bunch of people at the party. They meet the the parents of the photographer who happens to live in the same town um yeah who have the, who, you you meet all of the victims that die in the film except for the are, are except for the oh do you meet the footballer yeah you don't meet the kid but you meet the coach you meet the coach yeah yeah um because he has he has jeff daniels come down to check out the team and then jeff daniels is watching the game and one yeah. of the kids gets us yeah gets a spider in the helmet so they've um uh so the spider has ridden in the casket, casket. of the photographer yep. and then it gets out when he's when the casket is opened at the morticians um yep. and then it, it escapes and um and, and real jeffrey a, in real sets up a, um sets up a life 
Put down, yes, put down, put down Rooks. Meets a, meets a, <laughs> but, meets a but, girl. <laughs> meets a local girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> I sure wish that was how. Um, like clearly, this film takes some um, some stunning liberties with uh, with nature and how mating works. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm glad those spiders were genetically compatible. First, um, first one I met. Just it's not first one I met. It's not one for makes my animal metaphors. Not one for kissing a lot of frogs. <laughs> straight in there. No. No, it was straight in. It was just like, yeah, this is the spider for me, and um, and then let let set up let set up shop in this barn, um, and so obviously uh, the film takes its title from the fact that Jeff Daniels is arachnophobic, does not deal well with spiders. Um, we establish early on that he can't deal with with small house spiders and has to call his wife, discount mm. Helen Hunt, uh, to come and sort it out, um, and uh, and then yeah and obviously the the big mama jama spider sets up shop in the barn mm. adjacent to their recently purchased house and they start they start breeding and hence the within a month the town is overrun with these killer spiders so that and the important yeah. thing later on is that they are, that you and you do find this out and as part of the venezuelan sequence you find out that the soldiers don't have sex organs they they can't reproduce it is only yeah. it is only the 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 original it's only it's only the queen only or the, the king boss, spider, the big, the only boss big boss that can that can yeah. breed. Um, yeah, uh, and we established that the spiders are communal, uh, that these spiders are communal, um, so they're more they have more in common with ants than or with bees than they mm. do with like regular spiders, which are normally nomadic hunters. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so around yeah, I think it's around forty yeah forty odd minutes in at the end of the party um miss hollings uh so she, she hosts a party to introduce um introduce this new doctor um because she doesn't like the old doctor and she thinks fuck that guy um, <laughs> um but at the end- she has a she has a pretty dry line about his doctoring abilities and um uh, like um his he moved into town like in the just after the war and and his and that's about where the state of the medicine's at too like it's 40 years old <laughs> yeah so. Uh, and he had a um yeah so she, so the when she's kind of setting up it's, it's pretty kind of a touching scene actually they give her a little they give her a little something a little a little thing to work with just to just to build a bit of empathy uh just before she um uh she dies um where she gets a little a little bit of work with a photo that is presumably her her late husband she's late got some, husband she's got some nice lines about how much yeah, what how she, how much she would have enjoyed having him there at this party um right and then and then it's the first kind of genuinely unsettling moment uh and even though you, even though you know it's coming it's still it's it, because of the, the, this movie is made well it's still it's still a jump where you see the spider on the inside of a lamp and they've done a they've, they've, they do some some good work with some good close call work i guess where you mm. think you're convinced it's going to be another close call you've bond you've, and, and maybe this is why they give her those lines about the husband because you they're bonding her to the audience and that makes you think oh okay that, that, oh yeah just made the effort they're to gonna... bond her with me they've thrown yeah. in this information it was completely unnecessary for them to throw in she must be safe and then, yeah and they're going to save the cat yeah and then she reaches up to turn off the light um, and, and the and the spider drops out of the lamp and kills her. And she kind of she almost dies off screen too because like I think uh, I could be remembering it wrong, but 
she she goes ow and like I've I've been bit, um, but I think most of that death happens off screen. Yeah, you hear the, you hear her scream, but but she, she could conceivably have brushed the spider off. You don't know. If, you don't know for yeah. sure. You don't find yeah. out until Jeff Daniels gets sent around the next day um, to go check on her, and he discovers that she's there. He is also because she, he has. Um, Exam- just examined recently her examined and, her um, and, and he's, he's he's taken her off her heart medication because she doesn't need to be on it and so it sets up this idea that um the town again don't believe that it, or it sets up this as you were saying earlier this one-two punch with um he, the spider bite isn't the reason she's dead because she's just come off this heart medication so she's had a massive heart attack or something like that yeah and that and the townspeople um not trusting the big city doctor don't want to do an autopsy and um because they're not gonna and the the doctor the the older doctor that jeff daniels was meant to be replacing is blaming jeff daniels and saying look i'm gonna have you for for uh, medical malpractice and refusing um, to do an autopsy because he's, yeah he's a he's a country bumpkin yeah <laughs> he's he's old-fashioned i think is the, don't, uh, they don't we don't do that sort of thing around here yeah we don't do that around here <laughs> with your your big f- fancy city ways um <laughs> get out of here um so yeah there's there's a there's there's that moment so which which just delays the obviously it's just delaying the the search mm. for the spider because um, yeah, it builds the, no one suspects it builds the yeah. tension and then it's shortly after that so at the funeral he is invited surprisingly to go and um examine the football team um what what, yeah, are so you, then, what are you examining? What is the t- what is the I'm, ask, I'm asking you. I'm hoping you know. The, the, what is the turn? The, the turn and cough. What does that tell you? Um, it's 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 checking for a, a hernia of sorts um, in in one of the groin areas because when you cough, your testicles raise up and down, and if you've if you've herniated yourself, that doesn't happen. It's a very American thing. Um, it's clearly something that is done in American medicine more often than it's done. And I've never had my doctor tell me to turn and cough while he's cupped my my uh, boys cup, down under. Cupping your, <laughs> cup <and> your junk, <laughs> coughing my junk. <laughs> um, that's quite a. But yeah, that's that's, that, that's what that is. I I, I was curious about that, yeah. so I looked it up. <laughs> what is this turn your head and cough business? So sure, I've never seen that. So while it, while he's there, he watches them. He watches them. Uh, I forget if they're playing a game or practicing, but anyway, the. Um, uh, just practicing a spider crawls into a helmet and um the guy chucks the helmet on again another thing they do really well is um putting the spiders in everyday situations much like jaws um yeah it's, it's the sort of thing and we talked about outbreak and having the the disease spread in a cinema where everybody already is they create all these, in the they cinema. Create these scenarios yeah. where it is the sort of thing i mean i live in new zealand so we don't have any killer spiders deadly spiders we don't have any deadly spiders um all of our spiders are chill uh which 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 is a, a beautiful little segue just to sort of say that the uh the main spiders in this film the one you see the most of are actually if people didn't already know this are new zealand spiders they're avondale yeah. spiders they were they were brought from new zealand to southern california to to make this movie Just avondale spiders brilliant brilliant performances but brilliant performances by the spiders. Brilliant. they're really they're quite menacing when you think they're actually totally chill you'd never guess yeah um you'd never guess uh, it was ass. funny because the producers did like a decathlon with with a whole different bunch of spiders to try and see which spiders were going to react better on film um and which looked menacing and stuff so they had this whole decathlon with spiders to, to see which ones 
<laughs> so they had they had like the spider tryouts um so they had auditions for spiders and then they settled on the uh the new, the new zealand avondale spider which is an australian huntsman spider that was introduced to new zealand in the 1920s um but i i grew up in australia i grew up in western australia and um the funny with the helmet and and like the football player putting on the helmet and there's a spider in the helmet if you leave shoes on the ground in australia one of the things you do is you tap your shoes out before you before you put the shoe on because all sorts of things crawl mm. into your shoes and the last thing you want to do is just go randomly sticking your foot into something dark and and warm mm. so you, you're always tapping your shoe out in case something's crawled into your shoe so um, i i thought that was a yeah you're right that putting the spider into everyday life and that people might not appreciate like if you're not if you're not re- looking for that or you're not aware of that mm. kind of thing you're always tapping stuff out before you put it on but so, yeah you only have to put your foot in one one shoe with a spider in it before you you never do that again so oh so so the footballer gets bitten and he but he gets bitten at the exact time as he's hitting quite a hard tackle and they associate that with that with the reason that he dies and then shortly afterwards the old doctor who we all hate um by this point uh a spider crawls into a slipper and he gets bitten but he has also just gotten off a um a a treadmill. treadmill And so the coroner's yeah. the coroner's ready to to rule that one out as well, but it's it's um, the hero, our hero Jeff Daniels, who says he, says, he points no, out it looks like a up. spider bite. Yeah, yeah, and he, and um, there's a great line about um, I think I think the wife says it um, discount Helen Hunt. She says um, she said I'm glad I'm glad you didn't examine him or because um, like until this point everyone that's died has been recently examined <laughs> yeah, by. That's right the doctor <laughs> yeah, that's right this is the only one that hasn't been in, in close contact close medical contact with, with jeff daniels, with jeff daniels. <laughs> so yeah this movie might have been about killer spiders or it could be about a killer doctor who yeah. comes to a small town it's, it's yeah. they, they carry that tone really nicely actually and jeff this is one of the best yeah. things jeff daniels does in the movie probably is he 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 carries that he carries that weight of like being a doctor but this is the job being a doctor yeah and death is a part of it but it's also in a really shitty situations particularly shitty the way that the manner of these deaths and the, his, mm, his kids mm. his kids reveal that people around town have started calling him dr death um <laughs> but he but he plays so it good. he plays it really nicely he plays it like a doctor um like yeah this is actually what i signed up for this is what i'm here for he doesn't over he doesn't over egg it um which is one of the strongest strongest elements of his performance, I think, in this. Um, so he exists on exhuming the bodies, um, and they yeah. they confirmed, yeah, okay, it's definitely spiders. He calls in calls in an assistant. I don't know why they why they introduced the assistant instead of just sending Atherton. The assistant doesn't really add anything. Uh, I don't know why they. I like the assistant, I but I think that was another character. Um, I think I think they just wanted one more person to kill. So. Um, Julian Sands is obviously the um, the the big game hunter from Jurassic Park. Um, so he turns up like you know clever girl and, mm. and promptly gets yeah. eaten by a velociraptor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Julian, he's the I Vasquez. think, uh, yeah, he's the Vasquez. Um, so you expect him to, um, I think you expect him to be more functional than he is. But then it's his hubris that he has to pay for because he's the one that's exhumed this um, this deep threat and hasn't taken it seriously enough i guess or mm. i guess i don't know you're right because they send the assistants instead of sending julian sands and then julian julian sands has to then turn up to go 
this is a big problem and he's the one that lays it all on the line and says look if this if this is the spider that's here it'll radiate out um killing everything that it can um it'll wipe out everything it's a killer um i guess the one the one thing the reason that he does have for sending sending his assistant is that as it casts him as the um the uber goodie he's the 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 white knight who sails in well yeah but but no i was gonna say he's also the he's like the corporation and alien because he wants he wants to capture a live specimen he doesn't want to just roll in and kill it and so he he sends he gives that instruction to his assistant yeah to his to his undergrad capture a capture a specimen yeah yeah um which you get a live one yeah which he duly does um Oh, we haven't mentioned also at, at this point you've met John Goodman as well, who um, plays a um, exterminator, uh, and he's <laughs> it's it's like he's in a different movie. It's quite bizarre, but it works um, so well. Craig and I was just yeah. saying before we started, it must have just seemed like it must have given given the the makers of this film some sleepless nights. Uh, like, are we is this going to work or is this just going to just going to feel completely out of place and in fact it does both it feels completely out of place yep. but it still works and i guess john the credit for that's got to go to john goodman right because he yeah yeah he plays it so well he's playing he's playing for last but it's also completely convincing um as, yeah as, as, this as this bizarre um exterminator weird just he's just got he's just got a super super weird energy the entire time he's on scene he's one of those he you you just know this guy is an expert on everything regardless of whether he's an expert on it or not you'd you'd be talking about the battle of waterloo where wellington beats napoleon and he would argue with you about the color of the coats that they were wearing and he he wouldn't know anything about it like he's probably the kind of guy that today would be swearing black and blue that masks um do more damage than good yeah. um yeah he's that kind of guy but, but, but somehow um, in, and in maybe the it's, 90s maybe it's because it's 1990 it's it's quite lovable um, <laughs> he's, he's incredibly endearing and and maybe and okay i'm going to be honest here uh first criticism of the movie maybe it's because the first hour is um pretty slow it's not especially yeah. interesting um and no. he's he's injects a, a much needed dynamism uh around the point where he comes in which is about the halfway mark so it's yep. about 45 50 minutes into the movie um he's probably uh, one of the more memorable things about the movie i mean beyond the spiders yeah, yeah absolutely which are they use real spiders throughout with one or two uh, notable um uh animatronic um performers uh, uh are you a fan of mythbusters by any chance uh oh gosh i haven't watched it in a long time well, Jamie Heineman, the the walrus, he um, the animatronic spiders were done by him. Oh, really? Yeah, a young Jamie mm. Jamie Heineman. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, until that point, um, uh, yeah, thinking about it now, I mean, I, I really like Jeff Daniels, generally speaking. But whenever I think about this movie, I'm thinking about John Goodman talking about, would anyone mind if I pulled out this floor and uh, and then. <laughs> discount helen hunt's like yeah i would and he's like never mind false call moving on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's suddenly and uh jeff jeff daniels and his wife they've had their they've had their banter they have their, they have their playful husband and wife stuff but it's it's pretty low grade it's it's not it's not really zinging and we're gonna i'm gonna reference outbreak again it's not 
Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo where there's a, a that that real real chemistry, uh, real chemistry, chemistry between them. That kind yep. of that kind of fine. They're comfortable. They've got their two kids. Um, it's yep. pretty plain. It's pretty vanilla. Um, it doesn't, but yeah, it doesn't, then, it then all of a sudden, uh, where where yeah, John Goodman just comes in and he's OTT, um, yeah, and he's killing it, and um, and you and the and the movie really really needs it at that point, and it's yeah, and, it's, and it comes in at just the right point, just before you start getting sick of it, uh, he yeah. comes in and just it kicks it, well, it kicks it, it into it, gear, yeah, he kicks it into high gear, and then and then you know that your film's on a on a roll from there, and it really doesn't yeah. let up from the yeah. moment he turns up. Yes, I agree. So um, there's some more. So while they're while they're doing their science business um there's also <laughs> killing killing uh killing lab animals there's also a uh there's some more kind of more of that good spider shit as the the spiders in the in the bathroom in this house yeah so uh, spider crawls into the toilet bowl and the dad sits down yep. to take a crap there's a spider in the shower yep. while the girl's washing yep. her hair this is all places where people have thought what if a spider was there and here they are it's brilliant yeah um, yeah. John Goodman goes around to their house to investigate. Um, uh, Does everything reaches, but reaches grab behind, the spider? Reaches behind the toilet, and there's a spider behind the toilet, and you get the shot. It's so good. It's really, really well, well yeah. poised. And because they have, because the body counts, body counts ramping ramping up at this point. Uh, yeah. you're not you're not convinced that they're not going to kill the, the the blonde teenage girl or yeah. Or the dad, the, obligat- or... the obligatory '80s eye candy that, yeah. that turns up in the shower scene. Yeah, yeah, a rather tasteful um, '80s shower scene or early '90s shower uh, yeah. scene. But by, I mean, it was a Disney standard, film by the standards all. of the time. Yeah. By the standards of the time. Um, so, so um, as as they're investigating, uh, they they discover what they need to about about this spider. Um, they get Atherton there. He tells them what they need to do. They've got their plan, and then you swing into the last act. And it's um, it's it's all of the payoff, and it's and it, yeah. It doesn't, swing, it doesn't let go. It's more like it's more like crashing high gear into the yeah. third act. It's like it's all it's all cylinders firing, and it, it's really re- yeah. um, revving for the red line. Yeah, and it's going for it's that. Real, end, it's going for the finish line. Spielberg yeah. perfection. So it's the yeah. the morti- the, the mortician and his wife. They're both dead. They've been eating popcorn, yeah. and the spiders crawled into the popcorn, and one of them stuffed it into yeah. her mouth, and you get that really good scene. The, the spider crawling over the dead bodies it crawls out of the guy's yeah. mouth or his nose or something crawls out of his nose yeah crawls over the crawls so over good. their faces it's so good so, it's delicious so unsettling it is delicious it's, it is it's delicious really delicious it's so yeah. so um it's excellent excellent filmmaking just top notch and then and then and then ult- then julian sands buys it so julian sands yes. buys a picture that the wife's taken and goes where's this and um because he recognizes the web and goes our big big um, big bob is wherever this this web is and and they recognize and at the same time they're going oh it spirals out um from a central point mm. so they they do the movie trope of like drawing the dots around and then cross-referencing and saying the spiders come from this point and like that's my house and so that um the spiders were coming from my house the entire time and they all descend on the on the property at the same time um dell figures out that is um Del, Del uh, John Goodman's character figures out that the spray he's using to kill the spiders doesn't affect the spiders. That's something that we establish early on in the film, where the regular um, insecticide that they're using doesn't work on these spiders. So you need to use something else. 
um, to kill them. And Dell goes to his special, his good stash, the stuff that was banned in the 60s, um, <laughs> that melts the spiders. And um, he gets dressed up in his battle gear. Like he has a real commando uh, moment mm. where Arnold Schwarzenegger or Stallone is, is putting on the headband. But it's him getting dressed up in his very best exterminator gear. To, He's got to his holsters. Go He's got his, yeah. his dual carry. <laughs> dual, dual carry spray holsters and his face mask. Um, he comes out dressed up like a superhero. It's, yeah. it's great. And then um, while while that's going on outside, and he's he's kind of taking care of them outside, the the family is stuck inside, and they they get out they get out through they go upstairs, they get out through the bathroom, but Jeff Daniels gets trapped inside. Uh, he falls mm. through the floor, which we've already established is rotten. Um, and yeah. he's in, and he finds himself in the basement, and he realizes that that must be where Big Bob is. That must be where the egg sack is. Um, yeah, and but, but he, first, and he has his but, he has his showdown. But first, he has a showdown with the mini boss, um, which is the the queen spider, the the mini boss. Then he gets to meet yeah. the big boss, yeah, which is which is a fantastic bit because like they to this point you've seen these Avondale spiders, which have got quite a big leg span, but then you are introduced to a tarantula of some description, and it's a big spider, like mm. it's it's definitely the size of a baseball. Um, it's a it's a big boy and then he he deals to that thinking that's it i've done my dash oh no jeff daniels you have a much bigger spider you have to deal with yeah. yet and then that's when they introduce big bob like that um, like that video and, game thing where the final boss has a second form. yeah that's right yeah 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 it's final form so yeah they have a mini boss and then they have they have big bob and um big bob is named uh the the spider on set was called big bob um because he was a big boy and it's a it's a south american um bird-eating goliath spider so it's probably the biggest spider you can get um and they use a real spider um yeah it's fantastic and i i have issues with spiders myself that entire sequence with him in the basement um uh, throwing bottles of expensive wine and cognac at these spiders uh, literally had me digging my hand, my yeah. my fingernails into the palms of my hands because they they're using real spiders and it's like ah it's, just thinking about it now yeah it's really it's really effective it's terrifying very, un- um, very unsettling yeah and then ultimately you know uh, hey presto um, ipso presto uh, they save the day yeah. they kill all the spiders. Um, and uh, they establish that the, the, the worker drone spiders die pretty quickly because they can't reproduce. Yeah. So if you nail Big Bob and you nail the queen, uh, then, then that's a uh, spider, spider, spider property um, is, is now clean. And then they move back to San Francisco. Yeah, to, to suffer an earthquake. Oh, and he finally gets to drink his expensive bottle of wine that he purposefully doesn't throw at the spider. Yeah, and then which there's, is a nice there's, little a, bit there's of, an earthquake and it, it falls over and half of it pours out. Um, so we've already said most of what I wanted to say about this movie. Actually, I do think that yeah, it's it's obviously it's it's well told. Um, by uh, you could argue it's a little it's a little slow at the start, but you can also say well that that's that's it's building. You're building that tension, building, man. It's building tension. Yep. It's establishing. Um, maybe you can, like, I think maybe it's a tight can get, through, get that through that a little quicker. And and I mean, kind of connected to that, but also kind of separate. Uh, I think Jeff Daniels's character could be a little bit more endearing. Uh, he's he's a handsome, earnest doctor, um, uh, but he, he, it feels like there's, there's there's a little more that you could do with him and maybe with the, with his wife to make them a little bit more dynamic. Uh, they're pretty. I guess they're if pretty you, vanilla. 
if he set that if he if he if he managed to get that set up down to like because that's set up with the in the opening act that goes on for a really long time if you could um and that happens at the expense of further fleshing out jeff daniels and yeah. discount helen hunt's um characters so um i think if you cut 10 minutes out of that um and maybe got to like uh, you could get you could get almost get rid of that in its entirety and just you could almost smash cut to the spider turning up with some um little bit of setup to begin with um and get that all down to 10 minutes so i'll give you 10 minutes more with jeff daniels and the wife and the and the end of the first yeah. and beginning of the second act um which would allow you to flesh out their characters a bit more but and start um, it start it with the scene with the doctor you don't need that first scene with with them arriving at the house with uh start it at the first scene where he meets the other doctor then you, you already right. you already know half of what you find out in that first scene he's new and because they double down on the arachnophobia he's, stuff. he's a doctor yeah 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 you have that conversation twice so you, yeah. you twice are told that he's frightened of spiders so i i think you're right i mean if you if you move that if you remove that you take 10 minutes out of the front and then you can build those characters up and then you might get to the spider action a little bit earlier um i wouldn't i wouldn't change when Je- um, when john goodman turns up because i think i think you'd probably get tired of that shtick really quick so i think it's judiciously yeah. used yeah he's in the movie just the right amount he's in the movie just the right amount to give it that little extra kick that he's the he's the kind of comedic relief when jeff daniels is a naturally very funny guy anyway but yeah jeff daniels yeah i th- I think this is really tight. <laughs> I think this is, with the exception of maybe a l- taking a little long to get started, because even um, Amy, who was kind of half watching it, because these f- kind of films really aren't her deal, but even she was like, "Wow, that took a long time to get started." And um, I wrote, at, maybe it's just modern sensibilities. At thirty-three minutes, my, the note that I, I took at thirty-three minutes was nothing happening. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't name. I couldn't name a single kind of thing that was propelling the story forwards yeah yeah i think i think you're right though i think um they made they made their lessons from they learned their lessons from this and again this is um frank frank marshall and and kathleen kennedy and steven spielberg i mean they all learned they all i mean they're really clever filmmakers i really like steven spielberg um especially at this time Hmm. he he knows how to make a good movie and and when he doesn't get it right because something doesn't go right he learns from that and goes cool what was wrong with that was it took too long to get to the spiders mm. cool it wouldn't and then uh, two years later when he's doing jurassic park he's like yep i remember the problem we need to get to the we need to get to the dinosaurs really fucking fast and stuff needs to be happening really fucking fast mm. and um i think i think arachnophobia is proto jurassic yeah. park yeah we can't Steven we can't Spielberg. spend 20 minutes digging gum out of the ground no we've got to get to that and so they do it in an animated sequence um and then they're, they're right into the dinosaur action mm. and so um yeah or i mean the structure of the film is fairly similar as well i mean you've got the you've got sam neil and even um even amy like she she actually hasn't seen jurassic park but even she was like oh um jeff daniels that's a little bit like sam neil from jurassic park and i was like yeah yeah if sam neil had been a slightly bigger actor in, in 1990 he might have been, might in have this been in this. laura so, dern yeah um, laura dern quite yeah easily jeff, yeah substitutable yeah for the wife for discount helen hunt yeah yeah 
Yeah. It's funny. Um, All right. Well, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Samuel L. Jackson? No. Who else is in... Freaking in Jurassic Park? Jurassic, yeah. Who's, who's the John Goodman of Jurassic Park? Is it, oh, that, is that it, would is be Nedry um, or is it? Um... No, it's it's Goldberg. It's um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Fly. Um, Goldblum. Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Goldberg. Jeez. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah, I, no, he's not. Yeah, uh, Jeff Goldblum is the um, is the is the John Goodman of Jurassic yeah. Park. He's that sort of um, the lovable. Quirk, the lovable quirky. one, the fun one, the fun, the he's quirky, the, the, the quotable one. one. Yeah, he's the Fonz. He's the fun one. Yeah, he's the Fonz. Quite right. Yeah, man. So we, that took yes. that took longer than I thought we were going to do. We're, we're doing a double feature here, so we got to swing on. We got to. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh, that, that was. Meant to be, <laughs> oh boy, do we got to swing on? So you've had you've had your dessert. <laughs> so so what? Oh. So watch 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 Arachnophobia. It's a it's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, it's um, I highly recommend. It's definitely get, it's definitely going to get my stamp of approval. This is. This is greatness. This yeah, is a good movie. Um, the marketing is great. The poster is great. Um, it was it was it was a biggish hit at the time. Um, it they made it for a reasonable amount of money. It made just under a hundred million dollars in nineteen ninety money. So it was a big hit, um, and uh, it wasn't a big big hit. But it had had a video game tie-in. There was a, a novelization. Uh, you can buy the the spiders that they made the, the plastic spiders of the of the movie spiders. You could buy Big Bob. Um, so yeah, this this was a good movie. I, I I highly recommend. It's um, it's solid solid filmmaking, and yeah. I'd I'd describe it as a secret Spielberg movie because it's got Spielberg touches all over it. Yeah. So I I like and it. And it, it doesn't feel like it's aged at all. No, and and the effects. Spider effects. Are, um, spider effects are great. The spider effects look great. Um, there's a there's some obvious um stuff where marionette the, they marionette spiders onto things. Um. Uh, but you have to be looking pretty close to to see where the the, the joins are, mm. um, and even um, Amy, who is um, definitely a millennial, um, and she thinks the special effects in the original Star Wars are terrible, um, and she finds it hard to watch Star Wars because of the effects. Even she was unable to fault the effects mm. in this. So it's clearly even by modern standards, it it it, it holds up. So, so we should swing cool. on. Dream catcher. We should swing on. <laughs> <laughs> the dream catcher. Oh man! <laughs> oh, this movie. Oh man! <laughs> what? This is some. So this was. Some I think film. both of these films were Craig picks. So um, <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I don't. I don't watch a lot of horror. I, I rely on Craig to to pick the horror for the um for the Halloween special. <laughs> And Sometimes I just like subjecting people to movies. It was it was my it was my idea to do Stephen King because I don't want to do I don't yep. just want to do slasher Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> Halloween. Um, so I said Stephen King and Craig said Dreamcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> so so if you haven't seen Dreamcatcher, um, this this movie is the uh, the the A grade um, class A um, nineteen uh, two thousand and three. Um, a, a, A-list material film It's got Speaking of Class A um, I'm going to do some Class A podcasting And eat some cake That my wife has just brought me So oh, you Do it Do it So um, So this I, I'm pretty sure this is 2003 um, 2003 um, Director Lawrence Kasdan um, Who's um, almost a friend to the podcast uh, He did um, He did our, our recent The Bodyguard po- um, film as well 
Uh, so he have wrote we, that. Have we released that yet? Yeah, yeah, that's out. Yeah, um, the bodyguard is out. It's actually been really well received. Um, oh, so thank he, you. Yeah, Thanks yeah. Everyone. There you go. Yeah, like and subscribe, y'all. Um, uh, oh. So, Lawrence Kasdan. Um, it's based on a book by Stephen King, um, who is is a real mixed bag of whether his his stuff is good or bad. Um, when his stuff is good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's still really great because it's bad in the best way possible. Um, and uh, so this is this is unfortunately I'll, I'll spoil it for everybody early. This is bad in the best way possible, um, but it's, it's entertainingly it's, bad. It's, it's entertainingly bad. It's um, it's it's written by Hollywood royalty William Goldman. William, I wrote *The Princess Bride* and uh, *All the President's Men*, and uh, frickin' uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, he wrote the novel for *Heat*, uh, *Misery*, uh, just you name it. Uh, frickin' William Goldman, Bill Goldman, um, wrote the script. Uh, and in it stars an impressive array mm. of uh, early 2000s. Um, and some of these guys are still reasonably big names to this day. It's got Morgan Freeman, Thomas Jane, uh, Jason Lee, Damian Lewis, Timmy Oliphant, uh, Tom Sizemore, and um, a surprise Donnie Wal- Wahlberg. Um, but yeah, everybody in this film is, is um, grade A talent um, and big names. And yet you've got a film that is just bonkers the entire way through. Um, so this is... This is Steven Spiel, uh, Stephen King at his at his absolute best. Hey, the podcast could be the Dueling Stevens because we've got Steven Spielberg <laughs> Stephen King and Steven Spielberg and Stephen King, but it's like V E N and P H E N. So man, where do the you, Dueling Stevens? How do you how do you start trying to sum up this? We don't we're not going to have time to go through the whole story. How do you start trying to oh. sum up what? The, how do you des- even describe what this movie is about? So it's kind of like it where you've got a bunch of kid friends who have a childhood trauma. So mm. this is real, this is real Stephen King territory. Um, and then they save a, they save a disabled kid from um, some bullies who really are intent on murder. And uh, this kid in turn gives them superpowers um, of, of some sort, but they're all like generic. They're, they're not like lift the back end of a, of a Buick off, off a, off a kid who's being crushed to death. They're all like, like really generic not generic but really sedate powers like one of the kids can find things and yeah. uh, one of the other kids um has an amazing ability to to store and reference material in his head one of them can talk over long distances um and 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 read minds and one of them is vaguely prophetic so he can he can see the future um and they're all drawn together over their friend duddits um who uh, is this this mythical object creature kid who has powers of his own Uh, it's all very stephen king um and they all come together because one of them gets hurt in a car accident which is important to note because stephen king had just been very badly hurt in a car accident um and they they go up to the woods where they then manage to get into an alien invasion um and uh and then it becomes body horror creature horror in the woods um I don't know. This this movie feels like there was a lot of drugs involved in the writing of it, mm. <laughs> which is Stephen King. He was on some pretty good painkillers at the time. Um, You're right. There's, yeah. there's elements of it. There's elements of The Shining. It's it's yep. kind. Of, it's a bit of a mishmash. Um, there's aliens. Um, and it's you can, an alien invasion film. Yeah, there's sci-fi to it as well. Yeah, there's and there's sci-fi and there's like 
like the army versus aliens as well so it's not yeah. it's not it's not low-key like signs kind of aliens versus one family it's independence yeah. day like the army versus the aliens it's yeah i i wrote i wrote one of the notes although like, nobody knows no, somehow the army is fighting the aliens but nobody knows the aliens exist yeah so there's a secret group within the army called the the blue blue group or blue boy group um and they are separate and removed from the rest of the army i i wrote unusually for the podcast i actually wrote a, a bunch of notes for this film and one of the notes i wrote was the scope of this film is huge there is like content for three films here mm. if um, it includes it's everything including the kitchen sink filmmaking mm. um so they, they really threw everything they could at the screen there's a, an alien invasion movie from the point of view of four guys in a cabin. There's an alien invasion movie from the generic point of view of the uh, separate army task force. And there's, um, there's four dudes that have weird, we don't understand superpowers who struggle with these powers and their place in the world. So I think there's, there's three movie ideas there um, that they've all just kind of mushed together into one concept and gone, it's cold and they're in the woods. And it, com- it comes in, like, right from the first scene, it comes in really hard. The guy's, he's a therapist and he he shits on one of his clients and his clients get upset and walks out. And then the therapist grabs a gun out of his desk and he's about to off himself. Blow his brains out. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, wow, that's your opening. That's yeah. How we're, is that how we're kicking this off? Is that how we're... Is that how we're, ende- oh, yeah. we're endearing the audience to to these characters? Yep. And then and then you um, you get one. Your second introduction is to Damien um, Lewis um, uh, Jonesy. Uh, he we establish him as a, a a university professor, and he's not an asshole. Like he he recognizes that one of his students has has done something dumb, and if he gives them a um, if he gives them a second chance, they'll they'll make better. So he. He gives them a second chance to, to, to do an exam again or write an essay because he's caught one of his um, scholarship kids cheating. Mm. Um, and so they establish him as a good guy. Um, and then they promptly put him in a car accident and um, a vicious car accident where he dies a couple of times. So, And you meet Pete, who's a car salesman, who is... Um, uses, Possibly alcoholic. Definitely alcoholic and, and tends to yeah. use his powers to pick up women. <laughs> tries to attempts to <laughs> but seem but seemingly not very successfully not. because that's a plot point later where he's like you know i can't get laid to save myself so um but yeah his power is that he can find things so if so of, we're introduced to him it's odd casting having t- t- like timothy oliphant in that role right i feel like yeah because like he's a, a different actor someone not quite have, so handsome yeah and, might and charming been, might have been more appropriate yeah someone yeah and maybe yeah, maybe someone that wasn't so attractive yeah. would would make that seem i mean he does do the whole finding thing and it does come off a little bit creepy because because she 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 takes it because the scene is set where a beautiful woman comes into his car dealership saying that she's lost her car keys and he goes oh i can help find them i'm good at finding things and then he literally walks to a puddle where she's dropped her keys into a puddle and it it she definitely takes the vibe that he's been stalking her or, or watching her because she is completely creeped out by the fact that he has act, uh, identified every step of the of her day without her being a part of it. Like he's even identified the kind of chocolate that she's bought. Like mm. you bought a Mars bar, and um, great product placement. Here's a Mars bar, um, and yeah, so she's creeped out by that. Um, and then and then we're also introduced to who's the fourth one? Oh, Jason Lee. 
Yeah. Jason Lee. Uh, so we see him in a bar looking like Buddy Holly, and um, he's uh, he's chewing on uh, uh, toothpicks. He's he's got a little toothpick holder and everything. So, um, and then that's your four four leads, that's your, I guess. Yeah, that's your your quartet. Yeah, and Jason Lee can can has premonitions i think where he goes I, I i see bad you know be careful i'm not sure something bad's going to happen and mm. like he gets these these visions um yeah and then so there's a car accident oh, they wind up in a- the, the the bit that we haven't mentioned of all of the all of the jumble of jumble of ideas like everything that happens to damien lewis <laughs> he, oh. he has <laughs> he has scenes like inside his own head it's like the personification of his consciousness like his his head is a set like his mind oh yeah he's got that he runs around in the warehouse the 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 memory memory warehouse warehouse, yeah while he is possessed by the alien and then the alien he at the same time is having conversations with the alien that is also him so he's in this golem and these golem scenes yeah where he's talking with talking with with his character's voice and with the alien's voice and, and having conversations with himself which is which is pretty difficult to top to to pull and off the, for a for even for a, a really like damien lewis he just makes a great job of it and again, yeah can, and they do that they do the whole camera angle trick so like he he's having conversations with himself but they they do it so they'll they'll film him from the right um doing the alien mr gray is the name of the alien uh, and then they film him from the left doing Jonesy, and then they um, they have these conversations like from the left and right side of of his face where he's talking to himself. Mm. Or there's at least one occasion where he's he's set or there's voiceover as well, and um, and the, the the alien's name is Jonesy, and and the the red tide stuff is called Ripley. So there's an actual reference to Alien, yeah. the movie Alien. They're talking about Ripley and Jonesy. The the cat's name is Jonesy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. God, and I can see, again, like you can see what they were going for with, uh, like there is there is kind of unsettling stuff like that in The Shining. Like it's on paper, you'd think, man, that's bizarre, but somehow it works in The Shining. It comes together in just the right way, and it's that really yeah, because really of Stanley strong, fucking Kubrick, <laughs> incredibly strong director's vision that makes it all work. Even the off the wall stuff, we have no idea where it's going. The scenes in the bar and. Um, oh yeah that really yeah the whole f- that- but it all fits in at but but again i guess i guess this is kind of down to the difference between stanley kubrick and lawrence kasdan lawrence kasdan clearly a smart guy clearly knows how to write a script um empire strikes back can't have been a fluke he wrote that mm. he made deliberate choices um maybe he got it right once and then he's never gotten it right again but um uh but yeah, Stanley Kubrick had a had a vision, and he was going to execute that vision at all costs, regardless of what anybody else on set had to say or do about it. He was going to get what he yeah. wanted. Whereas Lawrence Kasdan, I, I watched a I watched a couple of interviews with the cast and crew about the film, and the the crew the cast were like, "Oh, Lawrence let me do this thing, and he he you know he let me develop this thing, and he he let me do this other thing." And I was like, "Yeah, Lawrence didn't have a fucking handle on what was going on on set." And um, this film went off in a wild and wacky direction very early yeah. on. Um, yeah, way too I, many I, I ideas. Read... Lawrence could have done with saying no to a few yeah. things and to, to st- well, that's sticking the... with what the movie was meant to be about in the first place. 
that's the first thing I wrote. Well, it's, it's halfway down on my list of ideas here on the page. It's that there's three there's three separate story ideas here that the, that have somehow or other convalesced into this one absolutely unwieldy plot. It's almost unfilmable. But there's three decent ideas there. One is just your your generic alien invasion, and then you can have that from two different points of view. You can have it from the soldiers, or you can have it from the guys in the cabin. Um, or in the third idea, which I, I the part of the film that I really like is these four guys with weird superpowers that aren't that aren't like traditional comic book mm. superpowers they have these practical superpowers that aren't going to help you save the world but at the same time aren't going to help you make yourself rich either and 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 it's their kind of coming together with trying to figure out why their friend Duddits gave them these powers in the first place which is almost and, a, it's almost a trope now the like the low-key superpower right it's been done a lot now, yeah but i don't think it was I don't think it was that common in 2003. No, I don't think it was that common either. But I, I think, I mean, it is. I mean, it is very on brand for Stephen King to give his characters in his books low-key superpowers because that's that's The Shining, right? Like um, the kid um, hmm. Danny, he 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 has The Shining, hmm. um, and in the sequel um, to uh, The Shining. Um, Oh, it, it's it's come out recently. It's got um, Ewan McGregor in it. Um, uh, it's uh, he has the ability to commune with other people mentally, and it's it's a weird, creepy thing. Like that's that's a good sequel. It's actually a good movie. I just can't remember the name of it right now. Um, but um, but that's that's fully on brand for Stephen King to have people with low key superpowers mm-hmm. or you know psychic abilities. Um, I, I think that's great. I mean, freaking Firestarter is mm. stephen king um i mean so we talked so we talked about our four heroes um yeah we, we haven't even talked about morgan freeman no so well two <laughs> options morgan freeman or the aliens like you gotta, um, like you gotta cover both of those things the, god the whole, um, the, where to start let's start with morgan freeman the whole morgan freeman arc is is out of control <laughs> Oh my god. Morgan Freeman and Tom Sizemore. So at 40 minutes into this film, Morgan Freeman turns up. And um you get a glimpse of him in passing um earlier than that, but at 40 minutes is the first time you see Morgan Freeman. And he turns up and um he's got wild and crazy eyebrows and he's some he's some uh, rogue um Colonel Kurtz like army um colonel who has got his own unit and he is running he is running wild, killing aliens, which are in a constant state of invasion. And him and his army group are out there killing them every time they turn up. These um, these intelligent alien species, uh, and you know, these wave star star sailing aliens that mm. keep turning up on Earth. And, and they and, and they, they have re- mind mind control or mind influencing powers where they can communicate yeah. telepathically, but they they communicate messages of uh, peace and yeah. love but then then kill people yeah um, so they they turn up in their um uh that they present themselves in the traditional um friendly big almond-eyed gray-skinned um aliens that aren't here to help us but their real form is like a like a really angry mouth with big big teeth and 
they kill people at, at will so i don't know how we've managed to fight them off so far but clearly they haven't developed lasers because um seemingly just helicopters with machine guns is all it takes to kill them yeah um and yeah. the, the whole the, the his first scene his whole first scene it goes on for there's there's two distinct scenes the first scene with morgan freeman there's the the first scene at the start where um he's his deputy he he kind of anoints his deputy. He's handing over he's handing over command to his deputy. Yeah. Um. And they have a there's it's it's quite is weird. that the scene where he the first time where he the, disciplines the guy. Yeah, it's the first time you've met him yeah. and they and they they're presented as having this kind of father son bond that you're just meant to pick up off the bat. Um. And it's not it's really it's not quite clear at this point that Morgan Freeman's lost his mind, but they they do that afterwards. <laughs> So after after he has just kind of symbolically passed the baton to to his his deputy Tom Sizemore, uh, he he pulls in a guy who um, didn't show didn't show the utmost discipline, didn't kill a couple of people who were potentially infected by the aliens, um, and shoots his hand off. Um, yeah, and with a gun given to him by John Wayne. <laughs> This pearl-handled um, freaking Colt forty-five. So this, um, this, yeah, this scene this has been going on. The scene goes on for like ten minutes because it's two scenes in one, and it's the first yeah. time you've met him. He gets, he gets shitloads of screen time, and it's these two absolutely, you know, the swing, the pendulum swings from from kindly, kindly, fucking, fucking Freeman. He's yeah, you know, he's endearing. He's everyone's. He's, he's everyone's in, favorite actor yeah, playing god he's endearment yeah. up the wazoo he's endearment personified and then he's going apeshit and shooting a guy and then and then the scene doesn't even end when he shoots the guy he has he <laughs> it has, keeps going he keeps going and he has this <laughs> this heart to heart about i'm hanging up hanging up my hanging up my gun it's my last day I'm burned out <laughs> this is my last dance <laughs> then i'm i'm gonna mosey off into the sunset like clearly they were going for a john wayne style character but they cast morgan freeman um and uh yeah it's it's, it's bonkers it's the whole ex- thing yeah, is it's just bonkers exposition it's it's character building they're trying they're trying to do so much and the scene just winds up long and all over the place just all over the show it is such a mess and then, such a hot hot mess and 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 so the, so he carries on throughout and he they the they cross paths with the with our quartet of heroes which is a duo by this point yeah, um, two of them have, because two of them die in relatively short order. Pete and um, uh, uh, Jason, Timothy Oliphant's character, Jason yeah. Lee's character, they're both yeah. they're both but the dust by I, this point. So th- so they intersect. Uh, Joan- I wrote when um, I wrote when Pete died. Uh, so yeah, when Pete died, I, I wrote um, good. <laughs> 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 i'm just trying to find the note but i remember i remember going when he when he died i was like oh good this movie's gotten better <laughs> i really didn't like pete <laughs> um i also wrote on on um uh something that morgan freeman's character is is um fond of saying is the curtis line you crossed the curtis line and um so the character is clearly meant to be colonel kurtz from apocalypse now yeah. but they changed the line they changed the name to curtis, curtis instead of kurtz um and um i wrote morgan freeman's eyebrows are out of control and um the curtis line we crossed that line when we picked this movie to watch on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> got too far 
so we've gone too far too deep um and i wrote here super glad when beaver died <laughs> real kevin beaver. smith vibes beaver, from that's his name yeah beaver when beaver died real kevin smith vibes from beaver the whole time oh man and, those, um, those four henry jonesy pete and beaver that beaver just such a like a, a, a like there's a, so like much a, dick talk a between like them a first a first go at um and i mean like this is stephen king and far be it from me to question the writing powers of stephen king but the, he is a clever guy they're um, seriously half-assed that quartet that the names are just they're just plucked from from mediocrity the there's, there's four four dudes henry jonesy pete and beaver there's guys, beaver guys, the guys the four guys they've gone back together and they're guys and they talk about viagra and dicks and guys and they go hunting yeah, okay so two of them the two of them are yeah hunting in the woods so two of them are um are uh are, are guys that would would um what one of them's a car salesman i'm not really sure what pete does uh for or beaver does um but jonesy and um thomas jane whatever his henry. name is in the film henry um they're highly educated one of them's a psychiatrist and the other one's a, a professor a professor at a university yeah um so uh i, I don't want to call i don't want to call shenanigans on 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 people's dialogue or what people are like in real life but i find it difficult to believe that a professor in history and a psychiatrist would happily go off into the woods hunting with their two less successful and uh, one one's an alcoholic and, and one's a, a womanizer um well they're both womanizers but i, I find like the, the the that dynamic between the four of them is is off like straight but, away but that's what and i mean the, that's what, the language they use that's what they're trying to get is, right that's, that's yeah their, their bond they've gone their separate ways and they've got this awkward they want to come together because they go back such a long way and they've they had this experience with duddits um, that as has, a young that age, has given them a, that is a, has given them a bond for life, even though they've taken vastly different paths. Yeah, I guess I guess ultimately that this film, um, I mean, obviously it's drawing heavily from it because that's something that that is a big core component of yeah. the book. It is these these young people that have drawn together over Pennywise the clown and then have expanded out and then they come back together. So I mean, that's a story element that he's used previously um but yeah gosh it doesn't work here um and it, and and arguably it doesn't work in it either because um the book is good but both film adaptations both famous um adaptations of it to to the big screen or television the first half is good and the second half is shit so the story works when they're kids it doesn't work when they're adults because uh, again the idea is that you've got these four people two of which I, I just don't see two of these people hanging out with the other two of these people so um henry and um jonesy i can see hanging out and i can see beaver and pete hanging out but i don't see henry beaver jones and pete all hanging out at the same time other than they've got this one bond from childhood but yeah also the dialogue is really difficult as well um i've jason lee um says fuck so many times that i i felt like having a fuck counter because or derivatives of the word fuck oh my god jason lee the, why um, is he in movies i think that the my my pick of the worst dialogue is the scene with um henry and is it tom sizemore the who's the deputy yeah uh, the, the deputy. scene when that when they're in the car 
all of all of the description and they're trying to they're trying to build the tension and they just don't have much to work with um which which is the scene that ends with my perhaps my favorite part of the movie um which is when duddits communicates with him by turning his gun into a phone and then he, he, he acts out acts out talking, talking into the gun talking to the gun like it's a phone <laughs> with it with the handle at his mouth and, you've got to think you've got to think like a normal person barrel like, at his ear at his ear you got to think tom sizemore at this point is going to be going fuck i hope that there isn't a bullet in the chamber because this is going to go poor in a big way there's some there's some <laughs> some really really choice moments in this movie but yep. that one that one takes the cake as, as just... there's a lot of body horror in this movie as well like i remember the um i mean it, it goes from being a film that you think is going to be like a psychological drama or a psychological thriller and then rapidly descends into body horror when they find the guy with the alien inside him and um alien inside him ripley and jonesy um and it instead of bursting through its chest he he drops it in the toilet like a like a like he's had a bad meal at a mexican restaurant and um and and it goes to bloody very quickly and there's blood everywhere and people are losing fingers and parts of hands and um uh beaver gets eaten by this fucking creature um does it 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 eats him and then it's um it's pete who gets it bites him on the dick yes yeah they both they both have pretty horrible um sequences pretty early on they they both meet grizzly no pete yeah pete ends up being eaten in half on the back of a Mm. on, on the back of a jet ski by by jonesy who's being possessed who seemingly can transform from regular ass jonesy to alien mm. jonesy in the blink of an eye so there's yeah there's a lot of like yeah there's genital and anus torture <laughs> a lot <laughs> of genital and anus, movie, which anus is, torture which is probably quite it's probably quite unsettling to read it in a book but in a movie it, it just comes off as comical like you could just imagine the the, the the meeting with the producers like the first meeting what about what if we made aliens but instead of <laughs> bursting through your chest and making you sick you shit they them g- out they give you yeah. they give you really bad gas you belch <laughs> and you fart a lot and then it bursts out of your butt <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great idea let's do that <laughs> How's that going to work? And then, they, but they play, they play all of that the the body horror stuff, like the the, the the gas leaking out of your body. They play a lot of that for laughs initially as well, because both characters are just like, oh wow, you know that guy, it's bringing tears to my eyes. I yeah, can taste it. Um, yeah, it's part of their, it's it's part of their. They try and tie it in with their blokey, the shtick, the the guys, the couple of guys talking about farts. <laughs> yeah, farts, guys. farts and hard ons. Yeah, dicks. Dicks, so many dicks. Um, <laughs> Interestingly enough, talking about dicks, there's um, there's only one woman um, in this film that gets any kind of lines, and that's the the mum. That Duddits's, no, Duddits's uh, mum. Oh, Duddits, Okay, sorry. Okay, there's two. Duddits's mum, um, and the woman at the at the beginning who loses her keys. Jesus, that is yeah and then there's the third one which is the the second victim that they find that they nearly hit with the car um a lot of people getting nearly hit with cars she's just a body but she's she's effectively just a body i mean if it wasn't for the fact that they call her a woman 
um, and they make a joke about how tell people that she wasn't my date. Um, uh, you wouldn't even know no. she was a woman. Yeah, so there's only two women who get lines. Man, so, gosh, we should wrap this up, but, man, we've got to talk about... Um, so, uh, we um, some more ridiculous, ridiculous moments. I don't, I don't want to make this like a bad, a bad movies podcast, but there's just... We're, we're here now, so here we are. We're here now. So we're just, here we we're are. We're just going to own it. Um, uh, second favourite part of the, is when... Um, uh, Tom Sizemore shoots Morgan Freeman's helicopter out of the sky with his pistol. Yeah, with his pistol, with his John Wayne pistol. <laughs> the power of John Wayne. That's that's quite a gun. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's 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 expended like two full clips of ammunition at this thing flying overhead. He's been shot by this helicopter already. What, yeah, and how he's still standing. Morgan Morgan Freeman, uh, an army army dude of. 50 I mean, decades yeah you're not meant to think he's a pilot but he's, he's flying a freaking helicopter it's got a big yep. minigun on the front big fuck off gun that, on the front of it that yeah ought to be able to ought to be able to beat a dude on his legs with a yeah yeah and they play the wrong sound effect for the gun as well so like i think by this point everybody in the world who's watched a movie knows what a minigun sounds like that's not and then the, the sound effect they play for the minigun on the helicopter is like just a regular machine gun so i mean <laughs> so it's like and everyone knows that a, a chain gun sounds more like someone getting a blow dry from from a, a can full of angry hornets so man what else um i like i like uh surprise donnie Wahlberg. so donnie Wahlberg turns up at the hour and 45 minute mark um and he um uh, it's like oh it's donnie Wahlberg um with severe cancer mm. cool he plays the adult duddits and um uh and then finally we we get we we never actually get to see in close-up mr gray so that the alien that is mr gray is somehow or other inside jonesy and the alien that turns up is uh so when he comes out of jonesy he turns into this i want to say like eight foot tall gray skinned creature with a tail um but you never see the creature in full frame you only ever see it in close-up you see the top half mm. or you see the feet or you see the tail you never see the whole creature and um i wondered i wondered if if that was because when they took a look at the final design for the creature it looked stupid <laughs> they were just like there's no way we can put this in a film people will not take us in it will take us less seriously than they already are um and then Jonesy and um, the alien have a fight, um, which is really just more Jonesy being stabbed with a, a vicious tail-looking thing. And I wrote here, um, Jonesy uh, and the alien engage in fighting, and I said, killed by the power of Red Sox, because Jonesy is clearly a Red Sox fan, because uh, they're from Boston, so they have to be Red Sox yep. fans. Um, and then I wrote here, are they fighting or having sex? It's hard to tell, because <laughs> they're both penetrating each other. It's very odd. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and um, again, again, uh, Kubrick could have made it work. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so then uh, in in true two thousands fashion, Jonesy transforms from Jonesy the cancer victim um, to Jonesy the weird gold skinned alien uh, with muscular shoulders. So it's very odd. Um, what the hell just happened? 
I had a, what do you what do you do with this movie? I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't start. know. Other than what you said, I mean, we should wrap this up because we've gone a bit over time. But I, I, other than what you've said about just cutting at least one, maybe two of the major elements, the, the story threads. Yeah. So you've got to kill. There's some darlings in here that yeah urgently need to be killed. I um I. Yeah, the final two notes I have, I already said one of them, but the final note I said is the weird... It ends It ends really weirdly. So there's a... there's a You've got to keep the alien away from the water concept that, mm. that's preventing them from killing the world. And if one of these little worm things gets into the water supply, it's all over. Um, they squish the worm. Um, Jonesy is back. Um, Jonesy and um, Henry look lovingly at each other. And then smash cut to black. Yeah, that's that's out. the end of the film, and um, then it smash cuts to a much better part of the movie with the with them all at the house talking shit, um, and so it's these four friends together in in our memory. It's smash cut to them in the house in the cabin in the woods, um, and I like because that makes sense <laughs> because <laughs> that's what you that's the takeaway from this film that the filmmakers want you to have is these the bonds of friendship <laughs> during an alien invasion <laughs> it's just like what the fuck um and then um uh yeah the, the the final the final um eel alien is killed when it attaches itself to the barrel of of thomas oh, jane's oh uh, machine pistol and thomas jane like you know fully fully um smashes it by shooting it down the barrel of the gun it's just like what the fuck um and then um I, when i was looking into this film afterwards i saw that bill goldman he wrote the original script based on the stephen king book and then um lawrence kasdan and bill, um, william goldman wrote a second draft and then apparently lawrence kasdan wrote a third draft where he put some of the more stephen king elements back into the book uh back into the film i want to see the bill goldman original mm. script because i bet you that was a much tighter film about four guys who go into the woods who have weird superpowers and how they stop what could be or might not be an alien invasion and try to deal with the pain of their youth i think that'll probably be a much mm. better film um uh maybe not um but yeah i don't know how you fix this film mate this... i think this is one of those films where there's so many good elements to it there's so many there's so many nuggets of gold um but not one of them is is capitalized on it's just yeah. all of it wasted yeah there's there's some decent movies in here yeah absolutely um, but just some yeah some really poor choices <laughs> and so many <laughs> I think different some ways. bad decisions yeah lawrence kasdan said that because this film performed so poorly it was such it was a box office flop and it was um savaged by the critics it affected two films that he had trying in production um uh to get not made so he had two other films cooking on the back of his previous success like he had just come off the bodyguard he made one of the biggest mm. films of all time and he, he came into this um as the director so lawrence kasdan does do some directing he doesn't do it very often he's probably better known as a producer and as a, a writer um but he he came off this um and he was about to go into something else but to, the two other films he had from this were um were, were canned so he he basically goes on to never direct a, a big budget film again so yeah mm. 
All right. He's still a writer producer, but yeah. So this film killed, kind of killed Lawrence Kasdan's streak. All right. So I think it's fair to say, as I as I said at the start, we've got two ends of the spectrum here. We are uh, wallowing, wallowing, very, very uh, wallowy. And oh yeah, this is definitely the dregs of mediocrity. But, yeah, in Dreamcatcher, Arach- this is a Arach- terrible movie. Arachnophobia, totally, <laughs> it's, it's totally. Oh, but absolute totally gold. Greatness. Yeah, um, it's really excellent. Uh, it's a really good film, and this so is... that's your ha- ha- Halloween special, y'all. You yeah. can enjoy that. There you go. I think Halloween both films are Halloween twenty twenty. As if as if a real life wasn't scary enough. Here's some um, <laughs> here's some terrifying films. Um, I think both films are worth watching, but one of these films is w- worth watching because it's good, and the other one is worth watching because it's just what the fuck written all over it, and um, definitely definitely watch with friends and alcohol because it's you'll enjoy it a whole lot. Yeah, more. Dream Dreamcatcher is one you watch to to make you feel better about if you're an artist, <laughs> if you're, if you're an artist, if you're a writer, poet. Uh, yeah, my, my work isn't very good. Well, this got made into a film, so. Yeah. Uh, there's the there's a low watermark even, here, people. Yeah, this is and this is <laughs> like you say, this is Hollywood royalty. William Goldman and Lawrence Kasdan, they made this. Fucking William Goldman, he must have just wanted his name off this picture so bad. <laughs> He's not a dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. There you go, folks. So that's that's us, I guess. Halloween yep. 2020, y'all. Yep, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, We'll be we'll be back next time. Um, we will. Up with a, yeah, hit us up with a like or a share. Um, and if you've got any we, we, uh, got any ideas, we do for take movies, requests. Yeah, yeah, uh, we do take requests. Hit us up on hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, yep. Uh, or reply to your favorite listening um, podcast format of choice and just tell us that you want to hear what you want to hear. Um, it really helps if you like and subscribe. Um, we actually get some listeners, which is which is fun. We uh, we actually have some repeat listeners. For some reason, the Americans really like us. We have a lot of listeners from America. Hi, Americans. Don't know why. Hi, Americans. Hope your election works out for you. <laughs> That's my political commentary. <laughs> All right. Very good. Let's finish. All right, I'll finish there. Okay. Bye, Craig. Okay. Perfect. Bye, Bye Mike. Bye.